0: coming up on today's show we'll update you on the epic epic oh i like it it's like (laughs) apple and epic
1: i like it yeah it is They had a baby (sighs) they named it epic (laughs) maybe that's what if that's what happens in this (laughs) trial at the end of it they're like these companies must merge and it must be called epic they
2: have like the most brilliant makeup sex and then they come out of it as (laughs) epic (gasps) <gasps> They're uh, the fanfic between <laughs> 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 Chip
0: Sweetie and Tim Cook. <laughs> Both named Tim. Oh my God! Conspiracy theory. Oh it, it writes itself. <laughs> I feel like I can't even go back to trying to do a cold open anymore. What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. Your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Oh, hello. And Miss Brittany Brabocker. Oh, hello. <laughs> Welcome ladies. Of course, if you are just joining us and this is your first episode, we do talk about video games. In fact, what I was going to say is we're going to update you on the Apple versus Epic trial that has begun. And of course, talk about Resident Evil because that game is finally here. But we'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to this month's Patreon producers: Tyler Adams, Program Alice, Chewy's Godson, Excess Oddities, Justin Foshi, Punctified, Rob Leonard, Ferris Atia, Marcus Ian Brown, Alex Vergopoulos, and Trevor Starkey. And welcome to our Patreon community, Vanessa and Galen Ryder. Thank you so much to everybody who supports us at patreon.com slash what's good games. Just as a quick reminder, this is your final month before our hiatus to take advantage of your Patreon rewards that includes getting the podcast ad free. That includes special handwritten postcards that Steimer designed this month.
1: I did. They're beautiful. You'll definitely want to see. Among other many other benefits. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i don't even i don't even attempt to compete with your two's artistic talents. i'm like here's some cute photos
2: of us Yay. you're a wise woman Yay. andrea
1: <clears throat> no yeah that's infinitely easier i had so many layers on that psc <laughs> you can see it. it's just like new layer new layer new layer i
0: love it the artistic behind the scenes uh well welcome everybody to the show Brittany. it looks like we also have a couple new podcast reviewers we
2: have jojo hill 27 and aztec wolf 96 Thank you so much for your kind kind words ladies and gentlemen they help us in so many ways and i have to admit i was like aztec wolf 96 i wonder if that human was born in 1996 and then in my mind i envisioned them as a child a toddler
1: no (laughs) even though that's a long time ago yeah like if you were born in 2020 you're 21 years old isn't that fucked up it's horrifying i know i hate those the tiktoks that always get me is the one where it's like Oh, like let me check your ID. Oh no, I can see the one from here. And you're just like <sighs> stabbed through the heart, knife twist. That's where we're just at. Just leaving out to bleed out on the sidewalk. That's where we're at.
0: If you were born in the 20th century, you're officially always legally able to drink in the United
1: States. <sighs> <sighs> Collective sigh. Yep.
0: Well, here we are everybody. <laughs> Uh, don't forget, you can be part of the show by submitting your questions to patreon.com slash what's good games and you can get the show ad free. Speaking of ads, this episode of what's good games is brought to you by a jar of ashes and of course, Express VPN, but we'll tell you more about that later. I do want to make note to everybody, this is Brittany's final show before she goes on maternity leave. Oh my goodness. Ah, it's very exciting. Going to create life. Oh
2: God. How, are you, how are you feeling, Britt? Are you hanging in there? You know, I know you're in the home stretch. I'm in the home home stretch. I feel like a bloater from The Last of Us at this point in my life. <laughs> I might be all smiles. Well, you look fantastic. Oh, thanks. So if you feel like a bloater, you don't look like it. I that. appreciate that. No, it's like, you know, you put some makeup on your face, you smile, you laugh. Being on the show obviously, like, gets my mood up, and it's great. But before today, it was real rough. Just pregnancy is hard, ladies and gentlemen. Have sympathy and empathy for your pregnant friends. It's not easy. Just throwing that we're out there. Or pregnant strangers. Be nice to them, too. Yeah, yes. Anybody who's carrying child. Please. Yes. Yes. But I
1: was saying, before we started the show and we were texting back and forth about makeup, I really do want you to do this, Brittany. I know you haven't (laughs) seen Parks and Rec. I have not. But on Parks and Rec, one of the characters, April, at some point, whatever, some point lay down, she gets pregnant. And before she goes to the hospital, she puts on like, it's not really zombie makeup, but it's definitely like horror makeup. (laughs) And they're like, should we take that off? And she's like, no, I put this on to go to the hospital and and I want you. I feel like of all of my friends, you are the only person that this makes sense for.
2: I mean, it would it would flow. It would make a lot of sense. There's a lot of uh, bodily fluids involved in giving birth. And I feel like it would all just come together in one beautiful like photo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like you...
1: That would be, like, the most amazing and you thing that I can think of, to okay. be honest.
2: I'll see what I can do, Steiner. <laughs> see
1: how you feel on the day of. Obviously, there might be some other emotions Played happening by there. you, you know? <laughs> but throw the throw the Halloween makeup kit in the go bag Yeah, just okay. in case just in case be like Jason this might be your job I need you to do tutorials get him like like let him practice on himself a few times before set him up oh my god. that way you know it's gonna be good
2: uh, okay I'll get like little fake blood capsules and you know I'll, like drip them all over my face it'll be lovely it'll be great
0: yeah yeah oh my god I really like how a plan comes together yeah. <laughs> so, it's great all right everybody we do actually has some video games to talk about because we're going to kind of speed through the show a little bit because not only is Brittany, you know, uh, very pregnant, but I had my second COVID shot. Hooray for Fauci ouchies. Um, so I'm not fe- not feeling the best. Um, so let's uh let's go ahead and dive right into this epic versus Apple news. If you guys haven't been following it, the judge actually agreed to let the trial be live streamed, which I thought was great. So that way, if you guys are interested and you want to learn more about it, uh, you can listen in. Some people have been live tweeting it. But thanks to our friends at IGN for recapping what's been going on. Because let me tell you, listening to Legalese will put you to sleep. Um, And there was a lot of testimony and things happening over the course of this week. So the first story um, that we're going to talk about is how the courts... We're not prepared for the games industry (laughs) obsessive secrecy, (laughs) which I, I just love. I just love this headline. So IGN writes, it's only the second day of Epic and Apple going head to head in the courts. And it's already clear that the United States court system was not prepared for the cocktail of high profile case centered around an industry in its secretive, often to the point of absurdity. You know what, IGN? I applaud you for just calling it like it is to the point of absurdity already there's been an ongoing kerfuffle between lawyers third parties and the judge regarding the game leaks occurring via court documents in the case of epic versus apple it's a matter of concern because a lot of evidence includes internal documents from video game companies that might reference trade secrets unannounced projects and so forth unfortunately it's causing a lot of problems in this particular trial (laughs) It's unclear who exactly dropped the ball in Epic versus Apple, but the trial as a whole keeps hitting stumbling blocks because third parties are complaining that their classified documents are being leaked to the public via a public folder where all the exhibits are being submitted for perusal because they are technically public documents once they're part of this this trial. Uh, So that's problematic if you have a confidential agreement sign and you're putting these out for public perusal. And we all know that people who follow the video games industry love to data mine. They love <laughs> the snooping. <laughs> Aside from the secrecy problems, the trial has also struggled with a number of more normal technical issues that have nonetheless been exacerbate exacerbated that's the word by the fact that hundreds of gamers are interested in the proceedings <laughs> yesterday the trial started late because the courtroom had to figure out how to mute the public call-in line to stop <laughs> randoms from calling in yelling free Fortnite <laughs> and other less appropriate things oh my god playing Travis Scott music for everyone to hear as another example of US courts being unprepared for how game enthusiasts populace interact with things they're interested in one of the biggest drops of confidential information was caught by The Verge showing that Sony really hated the idea of cross-platform play on its consoles. A line of questioning that was touched upon during Sweeney's cross-examination yesterday, though not in as much detail. The Epic versus Apple trial will be ongoing for the next three weeks, and aside from the Sony leaks, there has been numerous other weirder, fascinating tidbits mine from the examinations and court documents, including how much Fortnite <laughs> makes, how much Epic spends on exclusives, and details about Walmart's attempt at a cloud gaming service and- and Epic's plans to put Samus or Aaron in Fortnite.
2: I love it. Shout out to Rebecca, like- <laughs> Rebecca Valentine, because she's been tweeting a lot of this, and she wrote this article, and she is just has such a fun little voice on IGN, and I just love it so much. Uh, but it sounds like this is just such a big clusterfuck, ladies. But it's hilarious, and I don't know if it's just at the point in my pregnancy where I just give no fucks, but I love to see it. It's just funny. It's just, yeah. it's just entertaining. And I
0: think it's, it, what makes it more entertaining is that these are two companies <laughs> no. that make so much money just having the pettiest of fights in a very public way that they're both going to walk away from being like, did we need to do this? I feel like we kind of fucked ourselves a little bit. Oh, yeah. Or really, it's
1: Epic who picked this fight. So Yes. Mm-hmm. They, they were hoping for someone to back down. And they were like, nay. And now here we are. <laughs>
2: and this poor judge because if you read the rest of Reb's article and like admittedly like I cut some of it out because it's pretty long but it's very good she goes into how like these last minute sealed requests are coming in where they're about to like you know cross examine someone and then they're like oh uh, actually Epic's lawyers like you can't do that because there's confidential info in there and we need to seal that and the judge is like what the fuck (laughs) like this poor judge she's probably regretting all of her decisions at this point probably just like why am I here yeah (laughs)
1: I regret this.
0: I just would assume that they would have had that all figured out because this was filed months and months ago. This was filed last year, wasn't it? Yes, Mm
1: -hmm. it was last year. So like,
0: yo, what's the legal team doing this whole time if not preparing their partners and all of their confidential documents and having all that sealed stuff ready for the judge? Like, if I was a judge, I would be pissed she she sounds like she's she's over yeah, it like you came to the big boys court un fucking prepared <laughs> what the hell? yeah meanwhile apple i'm sure is just sitting back being like LOLOL, is this your first time in court epic because <laughs> <laughs> apple's in court constantly just perpetually in court with someone. Oh, um, man. Okay, so continuing on, Britt, you want to um, talk about what's going on with Sony Epic and Fortnite crossplay? Yeah, okay. So
2: here, here is some of the like in-depth scoops that we've learned from these unsealed documents. So yeah, Sony makes Epic Games pay for Fortnite crossplay. So remember when Sony finally stopped being the one holdout from Fortnite being cross-platform across all major devices in 2018? Turns out Epic had to agree to cough up extra dough to keep that cross-play support going and still is to this day. During the trial on Monday, a cross-examiner began asking Sweeney some basic questions about how cross-platform play in Fortnite works, especially with regards to who profits from purchases made during cross-wallet features that allow players to buy skins on one platform and use them on others. It was during this line of questioning that Sweeney pointed out Sony's contracts had them getting a little extra cash from cross-platform play. Specifically, when PlayStation Fortnite players consistently bought V Bucks on other devices but were still gaming on Sony consoles. Quote Sony has a policy that requires if the ratio of payments across platforms for a given PS user gets out of sync with the playtime, then we have to pay them a commission on other platform revenue. So, if someone were primarily play- playing on PlayStation but paying on iPhone, they'd an audible compensation to Sony. The cross-examiner had Sweeney confirm that the stipulation was put in place at the time Sony agreed to, cross, to allow cross-platform play in Fortnite happen on its device. Normally, Sweeney acknowledged when V-Bucks are purchased on one platform and used on another, every platform involved in the transaction gets a cut. But in the very specific cases that he outlined, Sony gets a little more.
1: So basically, oh. Sony being a big old pain in the ass, eesh! I think this is really funny because, I mean, if I was Microsoft, I'd be a little irked. I'd be like, they get more money. Like, why didn't we think of I, this? Yeah. Why, <laughs> and now it's just like, this is just going to make things more difficult moving forward because I feel like now if everyone knows this, maybe they won't because they'll be like, we won't be the petty partner. We'll be trying to be good partners. But I like, doubt it. But like, come on. You're like, wait a minute. what? I want this stipulation in there. Why don't I have this?
0: Yeah, it's like what I think what we see happens when somebody at a company comes public with their salary information and then everybody in like the departments says talking to each other and then it just blows up because there's people that are like, why is this person getting paid more? or This person gets this deal or what have you. Except on a much bigger scale, obviously, <laughs> because if Sony is getting an extra cut for crossplay, like you know, Phil Spencer was talking to his team, being like, um, excuse me. Um, so, um, <laughs> did our biz dev people just not work this out? Like, uh, what happened here?
2: <laughs>
0: uh, it's gonna be interesting to see if there's any, like, fallout or changes to how business is done going forward after this trial concludes. Obviously we want to wait and see like what the outcome is going to be from the judge. Yeah. But I mean, I think all of the things that are coming to light is not necessarily a bad thing as you know, Rebecca puts in her original article that the secrecy is to the point of absurdity. And that's really the case for a lot of like business deals that so many parts of it are just so private and people get special deals that, aren't universal and you, know, you kind of just want things to be fair, but they never are in the business world. So
2: true. Yep. <sighs> and water is wet. Water
0: is wet. Indeed. Just like Epic spent over $11 million to offer free games for the Epic game store. I don't like this to me is not a big number. <laughs> I was actually, yeah, I right? was honestly shocked that it was
2: this slow. With the amount yeah. of money I they mean, make. Like, yeah, that's not Totally. The- <laughs> We
0: were talking about, we've talked obviously about Epic Game Store for quite some time since when they launched. We knew that Epic was heavily investing in exclusives, much to, you know, the Steam fanboys dis, uh, dismay. Mm-hmm. Like they were very upset about it. It was like a big hobble forever. Yeah. People being like, I hate Epic Game Store. They're ruining
2: everything.
1: Brr.
0: And now they're like, we're on Epic's side. Free Fortnite. And I'm like, you guys are exhausting. Um, <laughs> exhausting so- is a
1: good word for it. <laughs>
0: So I'm not going to go too much into this story. Obviously, you guys can check out the full rundown on IGN.com if you want to look at exactly what each of these individual games got. But $11 million to me feels like a, l- up like a low amount.
1: Yes, yeah, does. it does. Like, it sounds like the highest paid one was Batman at $1.5 And then... Subnautica was 1.4. That feels feels, feels a little bit off kilter, maybe. Yeah. So
2: it's, it's if there's a chart that got shared or leaked or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Yeah. So Batman was 1.5 million, and they the thing is they got 613 thousand new Epic user accounts from it, which comes down to an Epic UA cost of two dollars and forty four cents, which was 10 percent new to Epic. It's kind of interesting how they break that down and like what they're looking for into that. And then you have games like Super Meat Boy and they paid $50,000 to have that on there too. But I mean, if you yeah. look at that, like, you know, how much was Team Meat expecting to really make from Super Meat Boy? You know, because that game is old. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I think people see that 50K number they're like, oh, goodness. It's like, well, you got to look at it. You know,
1: I'm actually surprised because Batman's not new either that that <coughs> got them almost a million. I would want
0: to know what, what some of the more new triple A's got them like metro exodus metro. for example yeah. Mm, yeah. um some Is of metro the bigger games over the last oh. two
2: years since epic has really kind
0: of no. gone to town on this it looks
2: like the latest game was the start date was september 26th which was for a game called everything um uh. that's as far as back as this goes mm,
1: gotcha lame mm-hmm well, apparently... In high contrast to that. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, apparently
0: it matters not because it's chump change for Epic Games because Fortnite has made $9 billion in two years while the Epic Game Store has yet to turn a profit. So clearly someone's leading the way over there. We've always known that Fortnite has been lining Epic's pockets and has allowed them to do what they do. Tim Sweeney has been not shy about that at all. He's very openly said, we want to provide a more favorable split to developers because we can afford it. We want to foster a store where, you know, publishing your game doesn't feel like an egregious overreach of profit sharing. You know, he's spoken publicly about that many times. And so clearly Fortnite's allowing them to make that possible. And like kudos to the Fortnite devs. Like they've been hustling since that game launched yep. to make content constantly.
2: Yeah. And Sweetie also said that he doesn't expect the Epic Games store to be profitable for another three to four years. And it's they plan on losing two hundred two hundred and seventy three million in twenty twenty, hundred and thirty nine million in twenty twenty one. But that's okay, you know. You have to spend money to make money, I and when mean, you are epic, that amount of money is very large billion dollars.
1: <laughs> you are fine.
2: Could you imagine got some
1: money to share. That's got for some money sure. to burn. Like,
2: yeah, I am going to lose one hundred and thirty-nine million dollars, but that's okay.
1: <sighs> I mean, you just have to think of it. It's like to us, that's like a dollar thirty-nine
2: cents. <laughs> <That's> it's very depressing, <laughs> but very true.
0: <laughs> no, now that you put it like that, uh, but this actually isn't surprising. A lot mm-hmm. of major companies. um, Lose money on their big ventures before they start to turn profits. Amazon famously was not profitable for many years, and now they're one of the most profitable companies in the world. Same with companies like Spotify and other other tech giants. You know, will work and operate as a loss at a loss for the first several years, um, mm. while they build their business in order to you know become the behemoth that they will hope that they go on to become um and so that's not really surprising to me i'm just really interested to see kind of where fortnite can hold its profitability and how long because i'm gonna admit i did not think fortnite would hang on as long as it has and they've continued to really hit their partnerships hard and do some really <coughs> cool licensing deal like the stuff they've done with marvel for example um i mean you can play
1: as ripley from alien in Fortnite, which is weird what i find (laughs) strange is like a lot of their partnership deals feel aimed at an older audience even though most of the people who are still currently playing are are younger like like a ripley like somebody who is in high school right now does not know who the fuck ripley is yeah that is a that is for us the old people (laughs) it's for the parents playing with their kids right yeah i just think that's interesting it's like i mean they obviously are still doing stuff to engage that younger audience as well but whenever those deals come around i'm like this is clearly not the demographic that's largely playing your game Mm -hmm. yep it's true
2: Mm -hmm. i was trying to find an article it makes me sad and i didn't find it but it was an article about that what you're talking about andrea how fortnite is losing players but that's that's expected you know obviously you're gonna have player drop off people are gonna stop buying cosmetics as much and that how their uh, revenue and profit is going down in fortnite but again like not surprising
1: no, I mean, it's kind of like, wow. You know, at some point it kind of, it settles, has a settle point. Right. Um, it's just not an old left game yet to
2: have it yet. Agreed.
0: Well, we will keep an eye on what's going on with... Epic. Epic and Apple. Um, but now more
2: secrets to share. Britt, what's going on with these confidential Microsoft documents? Oh, boy. So these confidential Microsoft <laughs> documents, Andrea, have revealed a plan to increase revenue share by 18% for Xbox developers. So again, uh, revealed during the epic, the epic shenaniganry. The Epic the case. Epic. The Epic. According to confidential documents, Microsoft was planning to reduce its 30% revenue share for Xbox Store games by 18%, moving the split between the developers and itself from 70-30 to 88-12. As reported by The Verge, these documents were filed for the upcoming Epic Games vs. Apple case in January 2021 and state that, quote, all games will move to 88-12 in calendar year 21. Also stated on the same page is the already announced news that Microsoft will be increasing the revenue share of PC games on the Microsoft Store by the same 18% on August 1st, 2021. This would be a significant move for the console games industry as Xbox, Nintendo, and Sony currently all have a revenue share split of 70-30. However, a Microsoft spokesperson did tell The Verge that, quote, We have no plans to change the revenue share for console games at this time. Okay, that shit was private yeah what the fuck are you out here talking why are you telling
0: them why are you putting
1: shit? our business in the streets what the heck um, we weren't ready for this yet we're not ready to beat. talk about this yet it was an idea okay and
2: now they have to listen it.
0: bob just floated it at a meeting one time somehow it ended up
1: in these documents and now if they don't do it they're gonna look like the bad guys see that's the thing i'm like it this sucks for them because now they have to I mean, does it suck for them? You know who else can afford it? Microsoft. Totally. You're not wrong. <laughs> but like, it's just in the sense like this forces your hand a bit. Yeah. To be like, if you don't do it now, then you people will be like, mm, we saw the documents. What happened?
0: Yeah. I think that this could be a great thing. Obviously, we've touted how wonderful it is that Epic's split is so dev favorable and how... It does feel a little egregious that the platforms take 30%, especially when, you know, the publishing tools are just so much more accessible now than they used to be. It's like, does 30 cent really, 30% really thirty really make sense anymore? Does a um, few like money?
2: <laughs> money! But yeah. I,
0: I am always for people's intellectual property getting paid for, and that includes intellectual property around hardware. Xbox deserves to get paid for their console. Sony deserves to get paid for their console and to manage those platforms has a cost, Yeah, right? Like I'm not saying that there should be no cost. Like there are people out there that are like, oh, take away the split. And I'm like, no, dude, no, Like no, 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 no. No. Yeah. that's just not free, right? Like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, yeah. costs millions, if not billions of dollars to maintain over the course of a, a console generation. Um, and so like there needs to be some kind of a split, but I think where we've always come down is people like Apple... People like Microsoft, you know, like Amazon. The, these giant companies don't need to take that much because they're already being so profitable in other areas of their business that they could <clears throat> change the, the sliding scale for devs to
2: give devs a better chance at, you know, surviving. For sure. Yeah. Well, you know what? You can't scrooge my duck, Andrea, and only two feet of coins. You need to have at least like you 30 know- feet of coin.
1: You need at least 30% to do that (laughs) screw-for-jack action. This 12% shit is going to get you a kiddie pool. It's not going to be an Olympic-sized vault. Well, you know, you make
0: a compelling argument. So now that you've made that argument, you're right. 30% it is.
1: (laughs) Everybody gets 30%.
0: We shall hear no other arguments. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, thank you to you, Britt, for pulling all of that together. We will keep tabs on what's happening with the trial. Hopefully, we will get some more updates. And we're only going to cover this for the news this week because we're trying to keep the news section short because, as you guys know, we've got two important games to talk about in our hands-on section. So we're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, we are going to talk about what we've been playing It's scary vampire ladies and cute (laughs) little slave monsters. All right, everybody. We'll be right back.
2: (laughs) Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. It is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast, and we have vampires and slave animals to talk about. But first, I want to let you know that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by filmmaker, author, and fan of the show, Shaz Mosin. Shaz has recently published a sci-fi illustrated novella about the relationship between two South Asian women titled A Jar of Ashes, which is available now on Apple Books and Amazon Kindle. A Jar of Ashes is book one in his sci-fi series titled The Story of Neela, which tells an intimate story about the protagonist, Neela, her role aboard the Andromeda-based Space Station, Makhshaz72, and her relationship with the commander Amaris Nazim. Taking inspiration from shows like Star Trek, video games like Mass Effect, and his roots as a South Asian from Bangladesh, Shaz looks to tell an ongoing story about identity, cultural history, and the connections we have with our roots, while exploring LGBTQ plus relationships told through the eyes of people of color. With enough support, Shaz, alongside artist Emily Lampson, hope to have the story, story of Neela span across multiple books in the years to come. You can support their journey today by getting A Jar of Ashes on Apple Books or Amazon Kindle. Visit the link on his website in the des- description below for more info or go, go directly to shazmoson.com. That's S-H-A-Z-M-O-H-S-I-N dot com. A Jar of Ashes is available now on Apple Books and Amazon Kindle. Support Shaz's story by picking up a copy of his book today.
0: This episode of What's Good Games is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private So what's changed? Well, the internet, duh. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched, or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record, your record. Having your private life exposed to others to see was once something only celebrities worried about, but in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know that there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, your connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and your IP address is masked. Every time that I turn my ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data, like my late night browsing habits where I'm looking for pillowcase covers, which I told Simon about earlier today. <laughs> Listen, sometimes <laughs> you just browse for pillowcase covers sometimes and now, pay, now everybody knows about it. My business is in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> The best part about ExpressVPN though is just how easy it is to use. No matter what device you're on, your phone, your laptop, or even your smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if you're like me and you believe that your data is your business, keep your pillowcase cover habits to yourself, everybody. You can secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash what's good games and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash what's good games. Go to expressvpn.com slash what's good games to learn more. All right, now it's time to talk about what we've been playing as Brittany so eloquently introduced for us. <laughs> Listen, I, ha- I couldn't resist. I had to call them little slave monsters. Um, do you guys want to start with Pokemon Snap since you've only played a little bit and then we can dive into Resident Evil or how do you
1: want to work this? That, that's fine. That's great. That works. Okay. First of all, in this game, they are not slave animals. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> they are very much free creatures. Although, they are technically slaves to the AI scripting.
2: Oh, see, <laughs> now you're getting deep. Now that's deep. That's
1: that's a different story to tell. Aren't we all? It's true. We're all weird little computers walking around. It's very strange. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, okay, this is, I mean, I'm not like the world's biggest expert on Pokemon Snap. And I did not play it back in the day. I just jumped into it um, with the new version because I was really excited about the prospect of wandering around and taking pictures because I like taking pictures in general. Um, and, and I guess like for me, the experience has been a little lackluster, but like, I'm not, I don't hate it. I'm just more of like, Oh, this is what it is. Okay. I was expecting maybe a little more, so if you if you were like me and you were like, I don't understand what is Pokemon Snap essentially what you're doing is it's sort of like little Disneyland rides and you get in your little car and it takes you on a track and it's constantly moving and you'll basically it's like a being on a safari. I don't know if any of you've done like dumb little safari things in the car where you just drive through um, like a park and then there's wild animals on either side of you it's kind of like that but with Pokemon. And along the way, in different areas, there'll be different types of Pokemon. They'll be doing different things. But again, to my AI scripting slave point earlier, <laughs> they every time you replay the track, they're going to kind of go through the same motions. So it is helpful in the sense you're like, oh, that bird flies here at this time. I can maybe try and take a picture of it next time. But on the bad side, it just gets boring because this bird is always doing the same thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so I played the shit out of Pokemon Snap back in the day. It was, like, one of my favorite things to do. I memorized all of the little AI scripted things. And, uh, yeah, so like Simon said, you're on rails in this little cab called the Neo one. And it just takes you through. You can't really control where it goes. The only time you'll ever stop is if a Pokemon decides to run out in front of you and just, like, block your path. And then, okay, cool, like, go on with your bad stuff. I'll just sit here and take photos of nothing. Um but yeah, so like, what's different about this one? That's I don't know how many levels you've done, Simon I think I've, I'm at like four or five. Three. Okay, I'm like at four or five. Yeah, um, is you have different research levels, and so like you have the beach level, just call it that, and you have research level one and research level two, and in each different research level, the Pokemon will be scripted to do different things. You will see different different Pokemon, and then you also have night levels which is the beach, but at night, and you have night level one and night level two. And so that is like a vast improvement over the original Pokemon Snap, which is just like a one and done sort of thing. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, it was just just like 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 one environment and then that was it. Yeah, pretty much. And um, there's similarities too, because in this game you have the Fluff Fruit, which are like the apples from the first Pokemon Snap. They don't
1: fucking eat them. Yeah, they're not. It's so annoying. Why did you put these apples in this game and none of the Pokemon go for them? I've had like maybe two
2: andrea's like so concerned. i am
1: just <laughs> chucking apples at everybody in this level do you want an apple have a fucking apple Eat you don't bitch. want it cool like <laughs> they're all very anti-fruit i guess yeah. i
2: don't know it's some, of them strange. Like, some of them want nothing to do with your fluff fruits some of them are like oh my god thank you some of them are like fuck off yeah so um and then in the original pokemon sap you had what were called pester balls which are like these balls of gas that But
1: uh, what would like, <laughs> are you gassing the pokemon <laughs> you, you were like pestering sounds, them. sounds
2: right yeah you were pestering <laughs> the shit out of them and then they would you know do something like maybe pass out or whatever i don't know um well i mean you are gassing them you are so that makes sense yeah that think, checks out <laughs> yeah yeah they're called pester balls and in this one that's gone and instead you get what's called like an illumina ball and i'm still trying to figure out like what that's all about but apparently that's supposed to make some pokemon act differently I haven't seen anything too exciting that it makes him do. Um, Part of the thrill of the original one was that you could, you know, bait Pokemon out with the the apples, and then you could make them do different things. You could get two Pokemon to go head to head, and they might start fighting. One of them might evolve, or you could, like, knock a Charmeleon into the lava, and it would automatically evolve into a Charizard. What? That sounds cool. (laughs) Yeah. And from my understanding, there's no evolutions in this one, which is kind of a bummer deal. That is a bummer. Yeah. Too. There's also the Poca I was waiting for the Magikarp,
1: like who's flopping around out there. I'm like, is he going to turn into a Gyro Right.
2: Yeah. And I think you could, there was one way you could do that, I think, in the original one is to have a Magikarp evolve into a Gary, which was like fantastic. You call him Gary if you're hip and cool, Andrea. Heads up. Oh, sorry. Oh. Okay. Well,
0: I need to be hip and cool when it comes to Magikarp. everything around, you know, my derpiest boy. <laughs>
2: yeah. And then you <laughs> have the Poca Flu. And then in this one, you have something similar. But I will say the song that plays in the Pokemon Snap, the new one is creepy as fuck. Simon, have you unlocked it yet? No. Oh, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. It's like a demonic You hate it. You love creepy shit. I, well, I know, but not when you're playing Pokemon. Like it, it's okay. it's so disturbing. <laughs> you're like it doesn't fit. I feel like I'm fit. trying to summon Bloody Mary or some shit when I play this, and it's like mm, no, no. Oh my is, god, it's not I good. Those days. I like, think
0: that can maybe the franchise is t- is telegraphing a turn.
2: Oh fuck. I mean, hey, I'm all for a darker Pokemon game. We all know that. Uh, But I mean, yeah, like it's fun. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I would say like it's exciting when I see the Gen 1 Pokemon because like that's like what I love and what I know like the back of my hand. But a lot of these other ones, it's just hard to know what they all are because you kind of like forget because there's like 800 of them at this point. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's chill. I have like I do like maybe an hour of it a night and I'm like, okay, that was fun. I'm excited. And then by the time the next day rolls around, like my meter has charged and I'm like down to play more of it. Yeah, it is it, no, I it's think, it is yeah. what I expected it to be. Nothing more, nothing less. It feels very much like an like a, an improvement which you would hope because the original one was on N64 and it does have more replayability which is really fun. Uh, but yeah, yeah.
1: I mean I kind of wish that even I feel like it would be even more interesting to me though if it had those little elements you were talking about like if you felt like you could manipulate the Pokemon a little bit more, because right now, again, they're like, take these apples and like maybe they'll eat them. And I was like, oh neat, this will be really cool. And I literally have gotten you know like two Pokemon to be relatively interested in it, and I am just chucking apples like left, right, <laughs> and center. So I want, I just like want there to be a little like them to be a little bit more responsive if I am clearly trying to to bring something out of them. Right. Uh, and then the other thing that I think is funny is just that they're... I mean, I think it's... I've talked with another friend who had played a lot of original Pokemon Snap, and he was saying that um, it's gotten better in terms of, like, what is a good picture? Uh, Because me, like, granted, I'm not the world's greatest photographer, but I did take photography in high school, and I have a, a slight eye for it, you might say. And so, like, the fact that they're basically like, just get as close as possible, and that's a great photo. To me, I'm like... Uh, but is it though? Like this is your three-star photo is just a fucking crop (laughs) photo of their face. Like,
2: I don't know. That's also like a remnant of the past, man. It's the same sort of thing. Like in this one, there's Sandshrew and Sandshrew likes to roll in a little tight ball and like roll around. And I had another photo of true And it was actually like he was in the frame. He was centered. He was nice and big. And this other shot I got was just like shit show of like half a true body in a ball rolling past me. And Professor Mirror was like, oh, my God, this is great. Good job. Better score. Let's go. And that's why you never know. You just never know what the yeah. AI is going to like.
1: You're like, what do you what is it? Yeah. And then I had a really great shot that it said didn't count because there wasn't a Pokemon in it. Oh, and I was I've like, had there's that like three Pokemon <laughs> in there. And it's, I can see on the thing, it's technically, it would have been a three star, but because it wouldn't register one of them, I got nothing. And I was like, are you serious? That was a great photo. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you game. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. And I do think it's, it's a fun thing to kind of just hop into for a little bit at a time mm-hmm. i definitely wouldn't be like i'm gonna grind and play this game i think you'd get tired of it very quickly but just a little bit every day is is definitely it's fun right like because yeah. just going around being like can i get this picture or not um mm-hmm. but yeah they also introduced like this is the part that slightly irritated me is that then they introduced your quote-unquote rival and i'm sure he'll do oh. nothing the entire time but I was just like, yeah. like, I don't need a fucking rival every Pokemon game. It's really okay. Yeah, are fine. I we're
2: did good. like that they brought Todd back. So Todd was the original guy from the first Pokemon Snap. That was who you were. Um, oh, it's yeah, fun. Todd has glowed up. He used to be a very, uh, yeah, you know, I know. Hey, Todd. How's it going? Hey, Todd. You uh, grew up a little <laughs> bit. Uh, that's really creepy. Um, Yeah. No, I'm with you, Simon. Like, it's fun. It's what I expected it to be. Granted, like, when you're a child, I think, because I was 10 when that game came out. You know, Pokemon Stop was this huge, wondrous thing. You know, it was Pokemon on the N64. It was Pokemon in their natural habitat. And I've always wanted a sequel. Now that we have it, like, I'm really happy it's here. And I'm having fun playing it for an hour or so a night. But, yeah, I mean, I used to grind the shit out of that game by trying to get better photos. But I just don't know if I have that in me this time around. But, like, I'm happy it exists. And it's fun to play. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I just, like, my friend was telling me, he's like, yeah, you could, like, lure Pikachu onto a surfboard. And I was like, I want to do that. Yeah, why can't I do that?
2: And maybe as we play more, we'll learn the other ways to so, like to manipulate the Pokemon, and there'll be other hopefully. Things you can there's do. more. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, because I know I have the the Lumina Balls, the fluff fruit, the the Polka I'm sure there's going to be a way to like use the Turbo, which lets you speed up and go quicker. And sometimes when you do, can, you break. I don't know. Maybe you just got a Pokemon <laughs> like, Roadkill, man. But I just get a little stressed sometimes when I'm like no 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 uh, you get like your oh, yeah. like, turn
1: gets something a shot behind you and then you're like I guess I just have to replay this you level. have to
2: do each level so many times but what's interesting about the turbo thing is because all the Pokemon are more or less on a script is that if you kind of speed through an area I think it increases your chance of seeing them doing something a little different
1: you mm. know like
2: maybe Machamp's like flexing on your or getting or there at a different time exactly yeah, sense. yeah. yeah. so we'll see but it's fun
0: yeah. interesting yeah. Well, maybe I'll skip this one. I was going to download it, but maybe I see it. You can it. play a little bit on mine.
1: I brought it here.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, that'd be good. Check it out. Uh, a game that I didn't skip that normally I would have skipped. Ah, oh, Resident Evil Village. You're doing the
1: Lord's work over there, Andrea. I appreciate you taking one for the team and being the non-scary Person
0: well, we to had to, to provide this. some kind of opinion other than Resident Evil fangirl pretty from <laughs> uh, Not that we needed to, but thank you to Capcom for sending those codes over for us. We appreciate the early access to the game. So obviously, the game just came out. This discussion will be spoiler free, though. Brit, I would love to do a spoiler cast with you at some point because I have questions. Oh, girl, I have but so I clearly many questions can't too. Ask. <laughs> that I can't ask on this podcast because the list that Capcom gave us of things that they want us to avoid in the discussion was very lengthy. <laughs> They're like, mm-hmm. don't talk about this and, this and this and this and this and this thing. Oh yeah, and this thing too. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So can we talk about it? I should pull that list up. Good call. Um <laughs> so Resident Evil Village, obviously, we've talked about on the show quite a few times. It's Resident Evil 8 in the series, and this is a brand new setting, but some familiar faces. Uh, We know that Ethan Winters is back as the main protagonist, who was the protagonist introduced in Resident Evil 7, and of course, there's other familiar faces that you can expect to see that have been announced, like Chris Redfield. So, Brittany, (laughs) I don't think we really need to recap what's going on here, or do you want to kind of do like a high-level...
2: High what's happening plot wise. Sure, 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 sure. So this obviously is a direct sequel to Resident Evil 7. And in Resident Evil 7, um, Ethan is trying to find his girlfriend, her wife, Mia Winters. And she has been missing for three years. But all of a sudden, he, <laughs> I, yeah. she's dead. Yeah, well, so he thought. Don, don, don. I was just like, lolol. Three years,
1: bitch is gone. Is that like? Do you have a Is it forty-eight or seventy-two hours? I don't remember what it is. Forty-eight hours. Forty-eight really. hours. Yeah. And statistically, they're probably dead.
2: I yeah. uh, yeah, try three years. Um, and then one day, Ethan gets a mysterious message from Mia, and she's like, "Here's where I'm at. Come find me." He finds her. Um, that's when you learn all about the new bioweapon called the mold and Evelyn, which is like the little girl and then they escape or so you think and at the end of re7 chris redfield saves them and that's where the game ends and so in resident evil village um the tldr is mia and ethan are trying to live a new life get a fresh start but what would a survival horror game be about a happy couple living a happy life it wouldn't exist it wouldn't it would be horror for some people yeah yeah (laughs) and um you as you know from the trailers that they have a daughter named rose and rose gets kidnapped mia gets shot up and ethan is now trying to find rose and that's shot up when you said shot up in my mind it's like heroin Uh, well
1: people are just injecting a little bit more violent she has a
2: bullet sandwich it's very violent yeah um Mm. yeah tasty yeah and the game is about ethan trying to find his daughter and that's where you're at think Neat. that i think that covers
1: is it gonna take him three years <laughs> no <I laughs> he's gonna get a text text message who knows what the like, passage hey, of time Dad, is, is like I'm over in here <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um that's a great that's a great synopsis um you know what's been really interesting about playing this game and like watching the marketing materials is you know obviously a bunch of reviews came out this week from other outlets and I think the consensus is that people are upset that there's not more <laughs> Lady Dimitrisk in this game. Yeah, mm. um, that she was so they heavily fell a leaned little too on hard for. Her. Well, I, it wasn't their fault. The internet picked up, you know, the love for her after she was first introduced in that first showcase, and just ran with it. You know, so that's what it, I meant.
1: I meant like the internet felt harder for her than yeah. they were maybe expecting. Yeah, it's
0: hype machine run amuck a little bit, um, and clearly, like Capcom had a design for this game and a story planned out and they didn't anticipate the internet just going head over heels for this you know like what nine foot vampire woman or but whatever. now they
1: know and now they can just make a prequel of her oh my god be a fun game i'd be down i for never that. thought about that as an option i mean but... like that would be a super fun game i mean i wouldn't play it but i <laughs> <laughs> but i feel like that and her are they her sisters or her daughters daughters the other okay her and her daughters i think like that would still be a fun interesting prequel
0: and you get some environmental storytelling about kind of like where her story comes from and her origin and, you know, where those girls come from as well, which I think is really interesting. And so there definitely is enough there that they c- could make a standalone mm-hmm. if they wanted to. But, I mean, I don't know if that It'll be happen. called
1: Step On Me, <laughs>
0: <Ooh>. Resident Evil. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but what I loved about my experience with the game and I'm really dying to hear how you as a long-term resident evil fan really felt about it is me going in having only ever finished one other resident evil game, resident evil 2 remake and played only halfway through re three remake. I played like the tiniest bit of re six. Um, and then did not play any of the previous resident evils too spooky for me. Um, is that, I really liked the diversity of storytelling in this game, how it felt like it took some of the exploration based puzzle solving elements that a lot of like old Resident Evil games are known for and that we saw a lot on display in Resident Evil 2 Remake. And they also mixed it with some areas of the game that were much more combat focused, but it never felt like it was over the top combat. It never felt like I was in like a spray and pray situation where I just like had to shoot as many bullets as possible. You still had to be very thoughtful with your resources, even when there was sections with more enemies. And I think that that obviously is a, a testament to Resident Evil's roots being one of the original, if not the original, survival horror game and really forcing players to think about how they're going to approach a situation with what resources they have. And I liked that. If I felt like it was a really nice balance between... You know, I get this really cool, slower, spookier vibe, and then I get to have a, a, a nice break in, like, the really kind of psychological horror to h- get something that's a little bit more action-focused. But um, what did you think about the balance, Britt?
2: I, so, again, like, I, I know I need no introduction when it comes to Resident Evil. I am a longtime fan. I've been playing since the 90s when the series was first introduced. And I admittedly am someone who loves the story of Resident Evil. I love the lore of Resident Evil. I'm always fascinated to know how the game is going to tie itself back into that. And is it going to tie up loose ends? Are we going to get explanations for this, that, and the other? Um, my favorite Resident Evil is Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 2 Remake. I love the original style. I wasn't the biggest fan of Resident Evil 4. And I'm saying all this so like people who know Resident Evil like know where I'm coming from. Um, so when it came to Resident Evil Village, I... Absolutely loved the first five or so hours of this game. Like, I and this is most of the stuff that you see in the demo. So, like, I'm not going to be spoiling anything. Don't worry. But as you know, when you get to the village for the first time, it's getting to Lady Dimitri's castle. It's the backtracking in there, it reminded me so much of the original Resident Evil Spencer Mansion that I was like, oh my God, this is everything I've ever wanted. And especially when you look at how Resident Evil 7 reinvented the franchise, especially coming from Resident Evil 6, which is like probably the worst Resident Evil game in existence. So, with all of that said, like expe- expectations were really high for Village. And the first like five or so hours to me was like what I wanted from this game. After you wrap up your business in certain parts of the game it opens up a little bit more to different set pieces and that is when I would say like my love of the game kind of like got demoted to like a very like good like like I really I like this a lot but I didn't love it and I think that's because you know you only spend like I don't know maybe an hour hour and a half in these different areas and to me that wasn't enough time to flesh it all out and really tie in the story in a way I had hoped it would tie in with Resident Evil 7 and some of the events that happened in there. Instead what happened is we were introduced to new antagonists and new story elements which I mean like nothing wrong with that but when you have so many loose ends anyway introducing more is just like kind of you wonder like why and especially when you get the feeling that you're not going to see a lot of these characters or a lot of this stuff again. And for that reason, like, I'm not going to say I'm disappointed because I really did love the game and I really enjoyed my time with it, but it wasn't this tie-in that I thought it would be, especially because in RE7, like, we learned some really interesting things and some really, like, new twists on some of the old Resident Evil that, like, we've come to know and love, and then that stuff is just, like, not even talked about at all in Village. And so that was a little bit, bit of a bummer for me. But that said... There was one part in one of these new set pieces, and it was definitely a break from the traditional Resident Evil formula, like this part of the game, scared the living shit out of me. And like, here's the thing. I don't get freaked out playing Resident Evil. I just don't. But this was one moment where I had to take off my headphones and like take a beat and process and just be like, OK, this is fucking disturbing, but I'm going to take a breath. And then I was able to hop back into it. And I, um, I've had a lot of people who reviewed the game also reach out and yeah, like, without a doubt they know immediately what i'm talking about so there's some really Are you talking about the one that's a nod to pt like in homage yeah because
0: i've seen other people describe it as that and i mean i feel like that's semi-accurate obviously like the story is very different when i say homage to pt i don't mean like they're taking the story elements of pt and using them because obviously that's based on silent hills but like there that formula of like exploration and, and things like that kind of like slows the pace down in a way that i, I, I was not ready for either and you warned me <laughs> god did. bless you um, Because <laughs> I'm texting <laughs> Brittany all the time Being like help me <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm happy I was able To warn you because I was like listen like if this Fucks with me I have a feeling it's gonna fuck with my dear Redheaded wonder Andrea but uh, yeah, yes. yeah and I mean it was so brilliantly done And that whole section was so Suspenseful and again like A testament to what Capcom can do And it was fine but It almost didn't feel like Resident evil enough for this like Resident Evil snob for it to be there Um, And that's Mm -hmm. just, you know, coming from, like, the background that I have. But anyway, I've talked a lot. Andrea, I'll let you, like, respond to anything that I said.
0: (laughs) No, I absolutely understand where you're coming from. I think that, you know, while I enjoyed the balance, there certainly was certain parts of the game that felt like they maybe labored a bit too long on them. Like, the last major section in the factory... Um, I think was too long. Um, I think like the balance could have been a little bit more even between the four major sections instead of being really short in one, very long in others. Um, I mean, I'm like you. They could have put the whole game in her castle, and I probably would have been happy with that. Great. Um, but let me tell you, I saw every inch of that castle because I ran... <laughs> many times to the same <laughs> hidey hole and the same <laughs> hidey hole dropped me like in a part of the castle that made me have to take a very long way to get back
2: around <laughs> a very long way to because i would just panic oh. i'd be like oh no they're coming to get me run <laughs> oh my god yeah because as you've seen like and this is not a spoiler again like lady d like likes to likes to chase you it's one of those things where you just hear this yes, but a slow chase a slow you hear the chase. heels clomping yo you, you do clunk and then you're like oh my god where's my safe space and then you get there i need a cupboard fast.
0: (laughs) i do admit and agree with some of the criticisms that they wished she was a little bit scarier but it's so tough when you have a villain like mr x who is just so terrifying as video games villain go and he just like his clomp was just really menacing and her high heel like clomp is is you can definitely tell when she's coming for you but it's not i didn't feel the same fear and maybe that's just because um because the internet loves her so much (laughs) well that's part of it right like they romanticize this villain and you don't really get to see like her dark side until you're in the game Mm -hmm. and you know obviously no we're not going to spoil any of that for you guys but i it was not a good
1: guy (laughs) she's she's,
0: I think also part of it is that it's during the daytime, right? So Mm -hmm. the game is is less scary during the day, right? And so there's these sections where you go into like this courtyard in the castle where you move between sections of the castle through a courtyard and you're like out, like in daylight and makes it less scary for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that helped keep it from being overwhelmingly frightening. But I think people who like you, Brit, who (laughs) live for that that fear we're probably a little, like, let down by the fact that the environmental storytelling maybe wasn't amped up as much as it was. Because I guarantee if all of the windows were dark like they are in RE2, like, going through the mansion in RE2 oh, yeah. and having to just be, like, nighttime and freaky,
1: like, I could definitely see it being scarier. But oh, yeah. Also, I'm curious, like... Because I never, I mean, I saw the clips of Mr. X, like, wandering Mm -hmm. around, but, like, he never says anything, right? Like, you don't really know anything about him. He just shows up and, like, starts chasing you. Yeah,
2: and then that's exactly, like, a good point to bring up. Because the thing is, I love Lady D. I think she's fantastic. Like, I, sure, I'll get stepped on her or whatever. But more than anything, I just think she's a really, like, fascinating villain. And I think some of the, the way she talks and the way she interacts and the way she carries herself... Like, I was never really terrified of her. It was more of like, oh, shit, like, I hear that coming. Like, I better, like, run away. But it wasn't, like, that dread that you get from Resident Evil 2, like as Andrea was saying, where that game is just, like, the epitome of atmos- atmospheric horror. Like, every corner you turn, every corridor you go down, there's some blood dripping somewhere, or there's someone hanging from the ceiling, or there's some zombies banging on the window. And in this one, like it just wasn't, it, yeah, it wasn't as butt-clenching for sure. Yeah. Um, the only time I really how did was that doll was the well I can't say that I just said it that's fine no one it's, knows what I'm talking about I think it's fine I think I can say what just I said bleep
1: it just bleep the word yeah it will be funny even <laughs> if it's <there's> not <laughs> required
0: um, I do want to ask you Britt how you felt about the Duke so this ah. is a character that we saw introduced in the showcase of course he is the vendor in the game where you can upgrade your weapons, sell him items, buy mu- munitions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, for one, appreciated that he was always there around every
2: corner. I was like, oh, Duke, it's so good to see you again. I know. I did, too. <laughs> I loved him. He, w- I, can't, I can't figure out. The Duke. So the Duke friends, think of the merchant from Resident Evil 4, the what are you buying guy who would open his trench coat up. And first, you're kind of freaked out. And then you're like, actually, you're a friend. It's fine. Um, yeah, so the, so the inventory and the whole item upgrade system, it harkens back to Resident Evil 4, where you find valuables in this game, you sell valuables, you can upgrade your weapons, you can upgrade your health, you can upgrade your defense, you can do all sorts of fun things with our jolly man, the Duke. Um, I thought he was a really interesting character, and I would love to learn more about him and what his whole deal is, because like clearly he ain't no normal human. Right. You know what I mean? And
0: he's just like chilling with all these like super villains and yeah. has some kind of, you know. He's like,
1: I have a, a merchant immunity.
0: Yeah. No, exactly. And I no one bothers him. <laughs> um, it's interesting though. And I, you know, as somebody who doesn't lean into the horror as much and prefers the more action focused parts, of these games like really appreciated that part because it allowed me to take a beat and like slow down from mm-hmm. anything that was like getting like a little overwhelming as far as terror goes to be like okay i'm just gonna hide out in this room with the duke for a little bit and sell you some stuff and upgrade my guns and i was playing on casual like hobby, mm-hmm. <laughs> so i never felt like i was ever So desperate for materials that I had to sell things or make hard decisions. It was only until I got to the late stages of the game where I just ran out of inventory space and my trash panda ways wanted me to keep (laughs) all of the guns, and I just like, "Could not keep all the guns because like like, how do I hold all of these?" I was like, "I have all of these slots for bullets because yes, give me all the bullets." But then like I have all these guns. Um, but I, I warned you I did, that you'd have to sell those bitches, and, and you did, and I and I did. <laughs> um, I do feel like they they fell into the common problem that any game that has an upgrade system with weapons falls into is that you spend all the game collecting and buying, and then you get the really good stuff at the very end, and you have so little time to actually use it. But obviously, there's, like, New Game Plus or whatever, and you can bring your upgraded stuff with you. But at the same time, it's, like, I want a meaningful way to use the stuff I spent the whole game grinding for. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I went through every freaking room looking for scrap and stuff, and I got all the treasures.
2: Yeah, that's definitely an issue I, I came across, too, is, yeah, you and And it's hard because you know you do have limited lay. I think that's how you say it. it's the money, the currency. And you wonder, like, how do I upgrade this smart? like how do I what do I upgrade? How do I upgrade it? Because you might find one weapon one spot and then maybe an hour or two later, you'll find an even better version of that that will ultimately surpass the prior version, no matter how much you upgrade it. And so you have to like, it's kind of, it kind of gave me a little bit of anxiety. It's like, what do I do here? And then, yeah, you get to a point where you're like, well, <laughs> I can't hold on to everything, because I too, as Steimer knows, like to hoard. I like to hoard shit. And I came across an issue. Both of- my lovely little hoarders. That's what yes. we are. Um, I was on the Kinda Funny games cast where we talked about the, um, sorry, the Kinda Funny Resident Evil Village review. And all those guys, like, they all felt the same, that they had too much. They had, they always had enough. Like, they were never scrounging for bullets, for med kits, for anything. Did they say what difficulty they were playing on? They were playing on standard. Okay. So, um, even with that, though, and I think... The, there, there's a point. It's kind of like grinding in an RPG, right? Where if you are playing Resident Evil, and air quote here, correctly, you backtrack, you clear every room, and the point of doing that is to make sure that you do feel a little bit of OP. Like you do want to feel like you're really like, oh yeah, like because I worked so hard toward this, I am prepared, and I'm gonna kick your ass. Not because the game just gave you too much ammo. Uh, and right. so <laughs> yeah. I, it's because you got every doodad on a shelf. You got every that doodad. Was the same.
0: That John and I had. (laughs) Going back through rooms because, man, it would bother me so much if there was one room that was red on the map. Oh, man. And I was like, I missed a doodad on a shelf somewhere. I got to go back you got to go back and look at that room, just, like, pointing down at the corners. I'm like, where is the doodad that I need to clear this room? And I know. And there would be, like,
2: gunpowder on some random shelf somewhere. Or there would be something stuck in the wall that you'd have to shoot down. or Yeah. So I would say, like, a little pro tip. If you're looking for, like, a true blue, like, hard, like, I got to scrounge survival horror experience, you might want to bump the difficulty up to the next level up that's above standard whatever that one is hard or something probably hard probably yeah. hard it's probably called called something different but
0: yeah because there's village difficulty which was that part of like the special edition i don't remember i think
2: that's called the sh- shadow of nightmares i think is the hardest difficulty and i don't Ooh, know that, that comes... sounds spooky yeah i think that might come with the trauma pack um which is the you get in the deluxe edition and what's kind Wait, of i'm sorry it comes with the a... It's called Lax Edition? Trauma Pack. You
1: you you can't get I think. the difficulty level with? That's
2: I don't know if you I think I don't know. I think how it might work is you might get Shadow oh, what village of Shadows difficulty with the trauma pack, or you might just unlock it after you finish the game. But if you want to start immediately on Village of Shadows, mm. I think I might be talking out my ass. I don't go near anywhere near that difficulty. So I stay far, yeah. far away. Village of either. Shadows, that's that's what it's called. Yeah. But um, I'm looking I'm looking it up.
1: But yeah, like I think Godspeed to those people.
2: Overall, Resident Evil Village and I've I've said it, like it's a great game. I think it's a great survival horror game. Is it my favorite Resident Evil game? No. Is it one of my most favorite is it up there? No, not not like not top three by any means. Uh but people is it top five? Uh I'd have to do a whole list and I don't know if I would put it in top five either. Probably it, it might be around but there's five only or eight six. of these games. Oh, there's no, there's a lot more. You have the Revelations. <laughs> so you have Code Veronica. Code Veronica zero. Yeah, okay, you're concluding all the things. Yeah. All the what spin-offs. about like
1: the standard one through eight? Where
2: would it? Standard one through eight. So number one would be two. So it would probably go number one would be two. Oh, this is getting confusing. Number two would be one. Then number three would probably OG three, and then you have seven, and then maybe seven, maybe eight. So that's four or five. I don't know. It's one of those. Okay, yeah. That'd be so, like, middle, fifth middle place. Of the yeah. Pack. Yeah. yeah, yeah, middle of the pack. Um, okay. Yeah, so like, and, and you know, the internet likes to take that and be like, oh, so you thought the game was bad. You thought it was just an okay game. Like, no, I said it's like a great game. It is. But again, like, when I play Resident Evil, I'm looking for something very specific. I love the story and I love the characters and the lore. If it weren't for those things, like, I probably wouldn't be all about Resident Evil the way I am. And I think Capcom's kind of at, at this weird middle point where it's straddling this line of, do we appease the long-term fans who have been with us since, like, day one, who know all about the Umbrella Corporation and all about the mold, and blah, blah, blah? Or do we kind of make a game that appeases more to newcomers that are just really into a really cool survival horror experience? And the problem with trying to, like, the blend the two is because there's so much history with this game. Is that you? Kind of get to a point where they can't dive too much into the story and the lore because then people will be confused all the fuck. Without yeah. introducing some new elements that everybody can understand, which then the people who have been with the game forever are like, "Why are you doing?" It's kind of getting a little Kingdom Heartsy on me, friends. I think that's what I'm trying mm. to say. Mm, interesting. Yeah, a little Kingdom Heartsy, where it's like, "What are you doing?" And I, I mean, I'm sure they have some vision and. Faith B&E Capcom, but I'm just not sure like where they're going from here, you know? Yeah,
1: when you were talking about like, oh, I thought they were going to tie up more ends to Resident Evil 7, I was like, I kind of feel for them in the sense that you, you can't without like recapping that for new players. And
0: they new did. Players. They had a little oh, movie did? at the beginning of oh, the game nice. that I watched that you can choose to skip it if you played the game. But I never played RE7. Um, and they're like, do you want to know about the events of RE7? And they do like a nice little recap movie. Oh, that's good. They do that's a smart. nice little
2: recap. And there's also like an 80-page 80 like eighty-page document. Andrea, I don't know if you saw it. It's under like bonuses. What? It's <laughs> called. And Grant, like each page is maybe, it can be like two sentences. So it goes by quick. But it took me a good like 15, 20 minutes to read. It's called like the Baker Estate Report. And it, it essentially recaps and Goes into things that happened after Resident Evil 7 that we are just now learning in the form of this like e document. It's in the game, Mm -hmm. I think it's under bonuses or options or something. And, um, I mean, that was fascinating because there's some pretty big like revelations that happen in that document, but again, like it's just in the document that most people are probably going to skip because they're not going to know it's there. So, yeah, it's kind of like an interesting approach. And I get it, like, it's hard when you have this many games to like try to tie up those loose ends while still trying to you know be attractive to new players it's a hard right. and, like, it's a hard add, line introduce
1: something new and interesting yeah. right right
2: right um yeah and so that's why i hope we could do the spoiler cast before i pop because my god i have so many questions <laughs> so
0: many right, well, well i mean we're working on a very short timetable so we should uh <laughs> we should do that sooner than later Um, But this has been really fun talking with you about this. It's great to know, I think, for people who follow your Resident Evil commentary specifically for them to kind of get your temperature on where you feel. And I I do agree with you, I think, from what I've seen, that there's kind of two camps of people who like Resident Evil, which is why Capcom is clearly trying to straddle the line. Right. (laughs) Right. To appease both. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, um, I really enjoyed my time with the game as somebody who's not super familiar with the lore. And while I was confused at the end of the game when they, you know, kind of tied some strings from the main Resident Evil um, franchise back into what was happening in 8, I was like, oh, these are a bunch of people that I don't know. I think (laughs) Resident Evil fans will, will get it and we'll have more to say on the spoiler cast when we can. Talk about it all openly, but for now, we want you guys to be able to experience it all for yourself. If, you know, that's in the cards for you. Go get stepped on. <laughs> Have a good time. <laughs> Run for your life and enjoy it.
2: <laughs> I do want to say one thing because I also don't want people to twist my words. There are some things that are tied up from RE7. So I'm not saying there's not. There's okay, some pretty. Okay. Yeah, there are you some. We were just hoping for more. Yeah, yeah. There are some cool things where you're like, oh, that's interesting. Was that really the, the info we needed? probably not but still very very interesting and also some plot things that were discussed that tie back to like ari was just like handled in such a weird way that it should have been this huge revelation revelation but it wasn't but okay i'm done that's
1: fair on the spoiler cast i'd actually be curious to get both of your thoughts i'm not gonna join it but like y'all have fun um <laughs> on um if you felt like the stuff that they set up was enough for you to get the references that she'll be talking about to be like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. this was where I thought they did a good job of this or like actually I was hoping for whatever be- from Resident Evil 7. So like, because basically what I would like to know is whether or not somebody new coming in, even watching that intro cutscene, was, is like picking up all of the threads from right. Among from from Definitely not all past. the threads.
0: I don't think that would ever be possible just not because all. of how convoluted so Resident how Evil storylines are, like, but few threads. Yeah. But um, I did okay because like Britt said, they introduced so much new stuff that, you know I could follow that relatively easily. All right, more to say, in, in a future episode, again, I feel like we just got to stop here because I think we're getting yeah. to a point now where we're going to mm-hmm. accidentally spoil something and we don't want to do that for I'm you
1: not. I haven't played the game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of What's Good Games. We appreciate you supporting the show. And hopefully you guys will have a great weekend playing either Pokemon Snap or Resident Evil or maybe something completely different. Maybe you're playing that new season in Call of Duty, which I'm excited to check out. Mm. Or maybe you're like me, and you're anxiously awaiting the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which is coming out next week! Ah! Yay! So prepare yourself for Mass Effect talk, people. It's happening. All right, everybody. Bye, everybody!